If you would take your scriptures and turn with me to Psalm 147. Psalm 147, we'll be reading the entire psalm. Psalm 147, if you'll give ear to the reading of God's word. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of stars that he calls them by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God, who covers the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow on the mountains. He gives to the beast his food and to the young raven that cry. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He, does not, he has no pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fulfills you and fills you with the finest wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. He His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts out his hail like morsels. Who can stand before his gold? He sends out his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob and his judgment to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation, and for his judgments they have not known them. Praise the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, you do good things for your people, and they live and obey your word. Open our eyes this morning that we may see wonderful things in your word. We're strangers on this earth, so please do not hide your word from us. Our souls are consumed with longing for your gospel. Your truths are a great delight to us. They are our counselors. Be gracious to us today. Give us openness to receive your word and strength to let it change our lives. We ask this in the name that is above every name, to the name every knee shall bow, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me begin this morning with words from Psalm 147.5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. What this means is our God is incomprehensible. He's far bigger than we can imagine. He's far greater than, than, than our minds can comprehend. There's no space so big as to hold our God. There's no measure of time that can constrict our God. There's no puzzle that can stump our God. There's no love that can equal the love of our God. He is truly incomprehensible. In this fifth verse of one four, Psalm 147, we're given three of his attributes. He is shown, he, we are shown his greatness, his power, and his knowledge. All of these attributes are infinite in our God. That means there's no end to them. We serve a God that is far greater than the simple mind of man can comprehend. One of our great challenges is to take the revealed word of God and study it. 
We study to learn all we can about this great and wonderful God that created us. I believe one of the best ways to grow in our understanding of God is to study his actions and responses as we find them in Scripture. So this morning, I want you to look with me at his actions and responses as they're given us in Proverbs. We'll see God as he observes and judges all men. We will see him as he blesses the righteous and condemns the wicked. We will observe his intimate relationship with his own children as he guides and protects them and shows them his kindness. We will see him as the defender, as the upholder of the mistreated. We will find that he is the one who thwarts and defeats sinners. Our God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He sees all things. So you can say he's all-knowing or he's all-seeing. He knows your very thoughts. You can't confuse God with lies. With his omniscience, God will judge all men. He will do so with an honest and with a just judgment. Psalm 147.6, The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked down to the ground. He observes all men and will judge all men. The foundation of God's seeing and judging is his omniscience. Proverbs 15.3 The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Now, the first thing, the first thing evil men want to do is deny that God sees all things. They don't want him looking at them. So they just deny it. They try to forget that. Yet, despite all their protesting, God sees all they do. You cannot hide from God. His eyes are everywhere. They're on every place. Heaven, the secret places of the earth, and yes, even hell, are all open to God's eyes. He sees the evil done, whether it be kings or children. No one escapes the vision of a holy God. He also sees the good. He sees into the hearts of men, and he knows. He knows which hearts Christ has worked in and which hearts are still hard and stone. He sees that little mustard seed of faith placed there by the Holy Spirit. The works of men will not save them. Only the work of God in his heart, in the heart of man, can save him. So what difference does it make if God sees my actions? When man was created... He was given responsibilities. And even though he failed, those duties are still on him. He still owes allegiance to God. So God continues to watch man because he will judge man according to how well he fulfills those creation mandates. The scripture tells us us fallen man has no spiritual life. Thus no desire to try and fulfill those mandates. Man has fallen into a totally depraved state from which he cannot extricate himself. He has absolutely, absolutely no hope of being able to please his creator. You can't do it. He needs some divine help. So God, who is merciful, sent Jesus Christ to fulfill those responsibilities on man's part by offering himself as a sacrifice for all who would open their hearts and believe. We see that the evil man 
will not listen or believe anything God tells him. I think that makes it clear why the wicked hope God cannot see all things. Yet, Scripture tells us in Proverbs 5, 21, for the way of man, the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. God's watching you. He knows what you're doing. He knows where you're going. He knows the motives of your heart that's driving you to do those things. Men have the tendency to look upon themselves as pretty good. But is that the way that we ought to look at ourselves? Proverbs 21, 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Men think, I have good intentions, so I must be a great person. Not so according to the scripture. Jeremiah 17, 9, and I read it from the NIV. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. It's so far beyond cure that God said in his promise of the new covenant, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you and I will give you my Holy Spirit. In Proverbs 16, 2, we're told, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. God knows. He knows your very thoughts. He sees into your heart. He knows the true motives behind every act in your life. I don't know about you, but I find that to be pretty scary. Proverbs 15, 11 tells you, hell and destruction are before the Lord, so how much more the hearts of the sons of men? We see death as a darkness, but God sees into it without any trouble at all. The hearts of other men are, are closed to us, just as closed as death, but not to God, and neither is your heart. God searches out the hearts of all men. This is confirmed by Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Absolutely nothing can be hidden from your God. Not your thoughts, not your motives, not your heart. Nothing can be hidden from him. When men come before the seat of God's judgment, there will be much weeping and many, many excuses. Hear me well on this. There will be no excuses accepted on Judgment Day. Proverbs 24, verses 11 and 12 explains, Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Surely we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? God has given to man a duty. And he placed within the creation and the hearts of men the knowledge of himself. Every one of our hearts has the knowledge of God in it. Every man that's born has that knowledge. As, he, as the creator, he put that knowledge in the creation also. The fact man owes to him obedience. It's there. It's there for anyone to see that will look. Men try for all they're worth to hide that knowledge in their hearts and ignore it in creation. But God says, forget those attempts to build excuses for yourself, for I'm not going to accept any of them. No one can stand before a holy God and say, I didn't know, for God will call his own heart to testify against him.
No one can stand before a holy God and say, I wanted to come, but I couldn't. For God will call his own word to testify, and it clearly says, whosoever will. There will be no excuses in heaven's gate, for God will judge all men, and he will judge them justly. You need to consider this very carefully, because every one of us has this list of excuses ready, don't we? We have to come to the point that we recognize the futility of holding on to such worthless things. We must come face to face with a holy God knowing we have absolutely no worth with which to face God. That means we stand in awe and fear as we approach the throne. Our hope rests in Jesus Christ and in his perfect life, atoning death and resurrection victory. We come with nothing. Our hands are empty. Our hearts are weeping. But that's the only correct way to approach God. Psalm 147, 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. Don't think you need an excuse. What you really need is Jesus Christ. The judgment of God is always just. Proverbs 29:26. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. Men seek to ingratiate themselves to those who have power. They will do almost anything to have the favor of king and prince. For them, they can ask favors. They can receive special treatment. In God's court, there will be no special treatment. Each man that comes before God will be judged according to his own deeds. The court of heaven will be just, and as no other court could ever be. Sometimes we worry about those children that die before they can think for themselves and we wonder, what will God do with them? Stop worrying about them. Our God is just, and they will receive from him a just hearing. Justice for those who are already grown and have heard the truth has to be a terrifying thought. Do you really want to be judged on what you've done in this life? If justice is all I have to look forward to, then I hope death will spare me. To face a holy God on the merits of my life is a horrible thought. But God has promised all who will believe in Jesus Christ with all of their heart can avoid this judgment. For Christ, Christ has come and lived a perfect life for you. He's died and paid the price you could never pay for your sins. For all who believe, for all who believe in Christ when you come to the judgment day, Christ will stand with you, and he will say, Father, judge this one according to my works, for they have believed and trusted in me. The Father will then look at the perfect life of Jesus and his atoning death, and he will declare you forgiven of all your sins. He will welcome you into heaven based on Christ's righteousness. Based on the work of Jesus Christ, God blesses men and condemns men. Those men who believe on Christ will welcome, are welcomed into heaven. They're received. All who do not believe are condemned to hell forever. Proverbs 12, 2. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions, he will condemn. Those men who see their own sin and their rebellion against God and see their need of a Savior 
will find a blessing at the end of their lives. Proverbs 3, verses 33 and 34 says, The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. Remember, all men start out under the curse of the Lord. Adam plunged us all into sin and the disfavor of God. God was not about to lose all of his creation, though. He sent his only begotten son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die, to shed his blood. And through that, he prepared a home for us that is indeed a home of righteousness. All who place their hope and trust in Christ and in Christ alone are living in him. All that live in him are blessed of God. And all that don't live in him are under God's curse. He blesses the righteous and condemns the wicked. My friend, it is that simple. You either believe and trust in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone, not in your works, not in your church, not in anything else, Christ and Christ alone. That brings you into salvation and opens heaven's gate for you. The righteous are blessed beyond compare. Psalm 147, verses 12 and 14. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. He makes peace in your borders and fills you with the finest wheat. The righteous are given a a relationship with God the Father through God the Son, overseen by God the Holy Spirit. It's a very intimate and personal relationship. He first reveals himself to you. God reveals to men his will for them. Proverbs 3, verse 32. For the person, for the, sorry, for the person, perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. You could translate the last of this verse with these words God's secret is with the righteous. God's secret. What is this secret? The secret is really very simple. It's the gospel message that was hidden in the Old Testament and revealed in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is that revealed mystery, that mystery that God was in him reconciling the world unto himself. It is now shouted from the rooftops. The the cry is, believe on the one that God sent, and you will be saved. You will be taken into the heavenly family. You will enjoy that most intimate communion with the triune God. One of the most wonderful of all blessings flowing from this union is that he will answer your prayers. Isn't that wonderful? He's going to answer our prayers. Having this union with the triune God assures he will answer your prayers. It also assures that he will hear your prayers. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Once you're covered with the blood of Jesus Christ, you have become a new creation. All the old is gone and the new has come. The Lord does not hear the pleading of the wicked, but the man that has been made anew. He hears every request. That doesn't mean you get everything you want. But you can be assured everything you need has already been given. Through Christ. God makes sure those who are His are always walking the right path.
Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. God is our heavenly father. He delights in all that believe in his only begotten son. When a father truly loves his son, he works hard to see that that son grows up to be a good man, a good citizen. To do that, it requires the son be disciplined at times. Our Heavenly Father is the perfect father, and thus he corrects his children whom he loves. You but need to look at Christ and his sacrifice to see the depth of your Heavenly Father's love. Now you must understand, no man, regenerate or unregenerate, can live out this life without sin. The big difference comes in how men deal with this sin. The unregenerate simply ignore it, or they try to explain it away as being unimportant. That doesn't work for the man who is in Christ. He has come to recognize sin as a very destructive force and something that must be dealt with or it will destroy the soul. We learn in Proverbs 16:6, In mercy and truth atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. Our sins... Our sins are atoned for. They are atoned for by the wonderful love and faithful sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Once we've experienced his love and the fullness, faithfulness in our hearts grows and becomes new. Hearts which are given us by the Lord. Given so that we might believe. We then must show our appreciation to him by our respect of his commands and directions. We shall never in this lifetime live perfect lives. So the sacrifice of Jesus, there was enough power to continually bring cleansing to all souls that would put their trust in him. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We come to this next section looking to God as our guide and protector. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not experienced the wonderful feeling of, of knowing that your sins are forgiven, then let me call you to repent of those sins right now. Call on the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because not only is there forgiveness promised, but there is also the promise of a divine guide and a divine protection. As your guide and protector, God gives wisdom and direction to all who believe in him. Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. We need to keep in our minds the knowledge of God's wisdom is higher than anything in this world. It's greater than anything in this world. If you desire to be wise, if you desire to understand life, how are you going to do that? must come to Jesus Christ. Through Christ, the wisdom of a holy God is opened to you. Proverbs 3, 6 makes this very clear. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. God protects those who are his from spiritual harm. Proverbs 2, verses 7 and 8. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the ways of his saints. The victory that is held for the upright 
is victory in Jesus Christ. It is victory over sin and death. For those in Jesus Christ cannot, sin can't harm you. And it prepares the way, their way, and stands as their rear guard. God is your rear guard. Now that term, rear guard, comes from Isaiah. And it means that you have the, the armor. You remember the armor of God? It's all on the front side. You've got a sword. You've got a breastplate. You've got a helmet. All The rear is open. God is the one who will defend you from the rear. That's his promise. Death is but a shadow. Death has no power to harm you as a believer. Nothing has power over you as a believer. The security of every faithful one, of every faithful one, is in the hands of the sovereign Lord Almighty. God is your rear guard. He's taking care of you. One of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. This comes from Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. You may remember Abraham was told to go and sacrifice Isaac. So he went, and he had Isaac prepared to, to slay him when God called him to stop, and he saw a ram caught in the thicket. That ram was the sacrifice, the, the sacrifice that was to, to deliver Isaac. It was a picture of Jesus Christ. Abraham called the name of the Lord, the name of the place, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The place where that happened was exactly on Calvary's cross. Is that amazing? Exactly, I'm forgetting the number of years, but it was exact. What this is a picture of is the provision he makes for all who come trusting in Jesus Christ. God provides everything you need. He gives food, clothing, shelter, and much more. He's given these things to the righteous and the unrighteous. His rain falls on the good and the evil. The earth gives its bounty to both righteous and wicked without complaining. But for those who love him, he has provided far more. He has sent his only begotten son to die and shed his blood that they might be forgiven. He meets their hunger and cuts off the desires of the wicked. In Proverbs 10.3, he tells us, The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he cast away the desire of the wicked. Dear ones, we serve good. We serve a gracious God, a God who loves us, loves his people, and gives them of himself generously. Our God is a good God. He rewards all who set out with honest hearts to emulate his ways. He has given grace to everyone, to everyone who will open their hearts and believe on him. He repays generosity to the truly needy. He gives grace to all who place their hope, their trust in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. This good God we serve repays generosity shown to the needy. Proverbs 19, 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. God makes us a promise. You ever read through Scripture looking for the promises God made to you? There's a lot of them. He says, if we will give to others with the same generosity he's given to us, he will consider it a loan to himself. You catch that? God's saying, you've loaned me something. He becomes the collateral of our gifts to the poor and needy. 
Could you ask for a better guarantee to your loan than the very throne of God? He will return to you many times over the amount you invested in helping others. Now, please, this is not a a, a name it and claim it thing. This isn't a a get-rich-quick scheme. You're not necessarily going to get money. You're going to get spiritual gifts, which can be more valuable in the long run than money could ever be. Our God does not stop with just rewarding the easy. No, he goes far beyond. Proverbs 25, 21 and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. So you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will return reward you. If you will do as God has done, if you will give generously to even those who hate you, he'll reward you for it. Jesus Christ came and died for us. We were still living in our sins, caught up in a rebellion against God. We were God's enemies, yet he came and gave to us life, life that we did not deserve, nor that we could ever have earned in any way. He says, if you will do this, your kindness will heap coals of fire upon their heads. Then perhaps... This will be the very thing that God uses in their lives to show them Jesus Christ. What a reward it will be to see them in glory because of your obedience. God also is shown in Scripture to be the defender of the downtrodden. He upholds and sustains them through the times of trouble and repays those that mistreat them. This great God we serve is a God of action. He will protect all who are disadvantaged. Proverbs 22, 22, and 23. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunders them. The desire to get even with someone when they wrong you is a terribly hard desire to overcome. Hard desire to suppress, isn't it? Jesus says we must turn the other cheek when someone wrongs us. We are also told when a soldier requires us to carry his pack a mile, we're to carry it two miles. You do this in order to show him your love, that you care about him. Treat others as you want them to treat you. If you really want to make an impression on them, go further than you're required to do. Is that not exactly what Christ did for you? God says, don't concern yourself with getting even. He's the one that will take care of punishing all wrongdoers. He will make the man that takes advantage of you pay. God promises that he will deliver the innocent and avenge injustice. Proverbs 20, 22. Do not say, I will recommence evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will save you. You're to wait. You know what? You're to wait even if it means you have to continue suffering for a while. You're to wait on the Lord. Look at the suffering Christ endured. What horror he suffered at the hands of the Jews and then the Romans and finally on the cross. He waited on God. And God delivered him and brought him to glory at his right hand. The thing we have to remember is that if it all happens in God's timing, not ours. That's something we, we, we have a problem with. 
We want it. We want it right now. We're a society of instant things, instant coffee, instant potatoes, whatever you want to look for, you can find it instantly. I can assure you of one thing. No sinner is going to escape punishment. That means you and I won't either. Our punishment is administered like everyone else's. As believers in Jesus, our sins were paid for by Christ's atoning death. Jesus received our punishment as he hung on the cross and paid with his life for our sins. Every sinful act will be justly dealt with by a holy and just God. God does deliver the innocent and he avenges all injustice. God also stands in the way of all sinners to interfere with their plans and to bring them to defeat. Proverbs 22:12. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the faithful, the faithless. No rebellion will succeed against God. We need to understand that because we are always wanting to rebel against God. But no rebellion is going to succeed against God. He will see the rebellion and he will defeat all who enter into it. Adam entered rebellion against God and plunged the whole of the human race into it with him. God declared that all who rebelled will die. Adam and Eve were thrown into spiritual death because of their sin. Therefore, all who come from him by ordinary generation are born into that spiritual death. Jesus Christ came into this world. He came into the world taking on flesh and blood. He came to do for the men what they could never do for themselves. He lived the perfect life. He died the atoning death. He won the resurrection victory. He did all of this. So those men who would see their sin, their need of a Savior, and would call out with a broken and contrite heart to Jesus would be made alive in him, given a new life, a spiritual life. In conclusion, I hope that you come to see that God acts, and when he acts, there are responses. God acted in sending Jesus Christ into this world to save a people unto himself. I would like to ask you one very, very important question this morning. Have you heard the good news of Jesus brought into this world? He came and paid the price you could never pay and is offering to all who will respond his grace and mercy. Don't think you can beat God and somehow slip into heaven by your own wits. It ain't happening. God will uncover and defeat every sinner, every sinner who refuses to listen and believe. There's only one way to come through heaven's gate, and that's on the arm of Jesus Christ. Open your heart. Open your heart and believe on Christ and on him alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne this morning because we know your grace and mercy and how they flood our soul and with joy and hope. We have learned from your word about your actions and responses. We lift our voices in praise of all you have done for us. Please, grant us the wisdom and the strength of character to stand fast in the things you have called us to do. Send us forth today to be witnesses of you in everything we do. Build us up in your love and make us strong in our hearts. We ask all of these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.